0: thrilled to share something incredible with you today. Imagine having a treasure trove of informative, entertaining, and empowering video content about the journey to parenthood right at your fingertips. That's exactly what you get with Informed Pregnancy Plus. For less than 25 cents a day, This is a little bit of a longer episode, but I mean it when I say that everyone needs to listen to this birth story episode. It encompasses so many of the problems within our U.S. maternity system, but also highlights some of the really easy solutions. Welcome to the All About Pregnancy and Birth podcast. I'm Dr. Nicole Calloway-Rankins, a board-certified OB-GYN who's been in practice for nearly 15 years. I've had the privilege of helping over 1,000 babies into this world, and I'm here to help you be calm, confident, and empowered to have a beautiful pregnancy and birth. Quick note, this podcast is for educational purposes only, and is not a substitute for medical advice. Check out the full disclaimer at DrNicoleRankins.com forward slash disclaimer. Now let's get to it. Hello there. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. This is episode number 208. Whether you are a new listener or a returning listener, I am so glad that you're spending some of your time with me today. In today's birth story episode, we have Candace. Candace is a data scientist and mother of one based in the DC metro area. Candace has several degrees in mathematics and computer science, and she works developing predictive models for the government. She's also currently pursuing a PhD in artificial intelligence, focusing on recognizing and mitigating racial bias within AI technologies. Outside of work and studying, Candace enjoys spending time with her son and husband traveling. Now, Candace prepared for, and I mean prepared for, and had every intention to have her son unmedicated at a birth center. However, after experiencing prodromal labor for five days, yes, five days, she was exhausted and opted for a hospital transfer. And side note, that's actually one of the most common reasons that people transfer from a birth center to a hospital is for pain management. Transfer happens about 20% of the time. Now, it is in the story of what happens in the hospital, including needing to fire the OB mid-birth, That story demonstrates the problems in our system, but also some potential solutions. Again, everyone having a baby really needs to hear and understand this story to get a sense for what is going on or what can potentially go on when you give birth in a U.S. Hospital. Okay. Now, one of the things you're gonna hear Candace talk about is how she wished she would have prepared more for the possibility of giving birth in the hospital. That, of course, is what I specialize in helping you get prepared for. Um, one of the main ways I do this, of course, is through the podcast. And the second way is through my online childbirth education class, the birth preparation course. It is specifically geared for those who plan to give birth in the hospital. Uh, it'll get you calm, confident, and empowered to do so. You can check out all the details of the birth preparation course at drnicolerankins.com forward slash enroll. All right, let's get into the birth story episode with Candace. Thank you so much, Candace, for agreeing to come onto the podcast. I'm really excited to have you share your birth story about being transferred from a birth center to a hospital.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: Yeah, so why don't you start off by telling us a bit about yourself and your family?
1: Sure. So I'm Candice. I live in the D.C. area. I work full time as a data scientist supporting the government. I live with my husband Daniel, and we have a two-year-old son together, and his name is Javi Javier. We have two dogs. <laughs> We're, a dog family. We're we are kind of like a culturally fused family. Ah. Me being black, my husband is Mexican, so everything we do in our life, everything we do in our household is very culturally, like, deliberate.
0: Right, right, <laughs> so, right. I love it. Love it. Love yeah. it. So why don't we start, you know, in order to understand the birth, we got to understand what the pregnancy and prenatal care was like. So I guess my first question is what made you decide that you wanted to go with a birth center? Did you know that fairly early? What was your thought process around that?
1: Yeah, I I actually it's, it's, it's hard to tell that story without telling like the backstory. So because I'm a I'm a data nerd, and I analyze numbers all day long. And Mm -hmm. that's how I make a lot of my decisions Mm -hmm. at work and in my personal life. I was listening and I'm also like a podcast geek. And so I was listening to an audio book by Tracy McMillan. Okay, and it's called thick and she it's a series of essays Uh, mm -hmm. and one of the essays is called dying to be competent and and in that essay she describes her experience with obstetric violence as a black woman and in it she um she mentions that was the first time I had heard the statistic that black women in the United States are at an elevated have an elevated maternal mortality and morbidity rate right regardless of socioeconomical level. Right. And so that was a little bit jarring to me. Sure. And yeah. that came at a time where my husband and I knew we wanted to start trying to have a, a baby. Mm-hmm. And so I said, before we start trying, let me verify this this information right. first and see if that's true. Because right. that will that will steer the next set of decisions that we make about the pregnancy and about the birthing and all of that. Right. And so I did the research I validated what she said. And um, and then through that research, I looked at all of the different components and factors throughout prenatal care that women can choose or experience or whatever to see what pieces created the best outcome for black mothers. Mm-hmm. And so that came down to unmedicated Births, at birth centers with doulas present and, and an emphasis on like midwife care throughout mm-hmm. the pregnancy. Okay. And so those are like the four factors that I wanted, and I and I looked and I looked for and secured before we even started trying for the baby. Oh my gosh! Okay, so <laughs> you are a
0: planner, and you were like, I'm, I'm going to have all of the things lined up. Okay, so you knew all of those even even before going into it. All right, I love it. I love it. So. (laughs) then what was you, then you got pregnant. So Mm -hmm. then what was your pregnancy and your
1: prenatal care like? So because I did all this research Uh ahead of time, everything was as I expected it to be. Like, for example, one of the things we did before we hired our doula and before we finalized the selection of the birth center was we asked like we interviewed them and Mm -hmm. we asked them are they aware of the statistic right what do they do in their practice to help minimize that statistic what do they do to advocate you know those kind of things and so what were their responses were they i mean so my doula it was it was funny because we sought out a black-owned doula company Uh but the doula that we ended up deciding on she was white Uh and and so I asked her it because that was, that was our rule. We were going to ask, right. Um, We're going to ask the uncomfortable question. And so we asked her and she, like, as we were asking her, she was like nodding and validating. And she was like, yep. She was like, I'm aware of it. I, she was like, I, I know about it. I advocate for it. Um, And she was like, in my practice, that's like most of the mothers that I care for are black mothers. Mm. And, you know, I make it a point to use, you know, my demographic to advocate harder for my moms. Okay. And so I was like, sure. Okay. Okay. And, you know, she was, she was aware she was, she was in favor of advocacy, regardless of where you were birthing, who you were, whatever. Right. And, and so like, we felt really comfortable with her. We felt like, okay, she's on our team. Mm -hmm. Like, we're going to be okay. She knows our concerns at a, at a deeper level. Sure.
0: Sure. Sure. Okay. And what about the midwife and the birth center practice?
1: Yeah. So the birth center was, was really a fantastic experience Mm -hmm. for women's healthcare and for prenatal care, because I like, as far as women's healthcare, I was very much used to going to a GYN Mm -hmm. and going to a doctor's office Mm -hmm. in the clinical setting, but going to the birth center and working with the midwives, it was, it was almost like, Going to like a therapy session, like okay. all of the appointments were forty-five minutes to an hour, but there was no pressure to use the whole time, or there was no pressure to stay within that time frame. And so, you know, we would always start the session by talking, you know, just just chopping it up and right. talking about our day right. and just really casual, right? And then going through concerns, and and then at the end of the visit, we would do all of like the measurements and those kind of things, but. It didn't feel so clinical. It just felt like, yeah, this is a natural thing that women can do. Right. We don't need to poke and prod every time you're in here. Right. If and then like later into my pregnancy, I I had this body, you know, image thing, and I stopped wanting to step on the scale. Mm-hmm. And they were like, "That's fine. You don't have to step on the scale. You're healthy. Like this is, this is not." you know, the, the be all end all metric. Sure. You don't want to step on the scale. Don't. Right,
0: (laughs) right, right. Gotcha. Gotcha. So that's interesting. You said like, even the things like the measurements, that part was like towards the end. Like it wasn't, it wasn't like you come in, get on the table. That's very different than (laughs) than traditional prenatal care. Okay. So overall you felt like everything you were very happy. It sounds like with your prenatal care experience. Yes.
1: Yeah. I felt like The emphasis on body autonomy and self advocating and all of that was like in the forefront. I felt like a person Mm -hmm. I didn't feel like just I didn't feel like a patient I felt like. I felt like this was really like the team of people that I'm going to be going through this, you know, life changing process with. It felt like a team. Gotcha. Gotcha. And were the midwives black? So my, my main midwife was black, and the rest were a variety of different races. It was a really diverse practice.
0: Okay. And you met with all of them or just?
1: I primarily met with mine, but uh-huh. if she was busy or had a birth or something, then I met with other ones gotcha. and even still like meeting with different ones, it was still that feeling of talking to a friend or sure. talking to like a therapist sure. and it still felt very comfortable.
0: Okay. Awesome. Awesome. So what did you do to prepare for your birth or what did you not, what did,
1: what did you not do? Maybe a better question. <laughs> Honestly, that that is a better question because it sounds like I did a ton and I did like we me and my husband, we did a ton. We did. Uh, we also did a, a Bradley method uh-huh. birthing class because we wanted to make sure that he was like a really big part of the experience and my support team. And sure. he put in a lot of work. But something that I didn't do that I wish I had done is I was so driven by numbers and statistics and mm-hmm. this is the formula to have success. I didn't even consider complications Or what happens if a hospital transfer is necessary, Mm. what a C-section entails, you know, I didn't research any of that. I only researched the pieces that would would make my winning combination. Gotcha. And so, well, (laughs) once my birth story started to unfold, you know, there were the holes in, in the in the planning started to show through. Gotcha.
0: Gotcha. Did the midwives that at any point during your
1: care talk about what would happen if there was a hospital transfer? They talk through like, if I needed you know, what were common reasons that people ask for hospital transfers? And then what the what the logistical process is if there's a hospital transfer so like you know you have they have hospitals they're partnered with and you know they make the call Mm -hmm. and they schedule blah 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 so it was it was very like like a like a checklist it wasn't in depth it wasn't like this is how you should mentally prepare for for this if it has to
0: got happen it, got it got yeah. it yeah got it okay 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 and then i guess I, just to clarify though you so you did the bradley method class were there any other classes or books or things that you did
1: i listened to your podcast <laughs> 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 i listened to tons of birthing podcasts uh-huh. i listened to yours religiously i listened to pregnancy.com's weekly podcast oh, I think uh-huh. it was like pre-recorded each uh-huh. week they tell you yeah. like the size of the baby right. and all of that right. um I listened to that I, I I listened to evidence-based birth maybe yeah or, mm-hmm. yeah yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> the birth
0: hour <laughs> a lot of people listen to the birth hour birth stories on the birth think, did
1: you not listen to that one I don't think I listened to that
0: okay one. <laughs> okay okay all right and then, so you were you were ready you were prepared what are some things that you wanted for your birth
1: Oh my gosh. I envisioned this very serene, calm birth. I, I envisioned, you know, being able to put some of the Bradley method, um, methodology into practice, meditation, Mm -hmm. deep breathing, relying on my partner. I, my, my vision was that I was going to give birth to my son in a birthing tub Um, with nice soft music playing and we hired a birth photographer and it was just going to be, you know, the, the thing that I had envisioned kind of like when you plan your wedding, you know, you know exactly what it's going to look like. Right.
0: Right. Right. That's what I
1: had going on in my head.
0: Got it. Expecting parents who are looking for great nursery decor. This message is for you as you prepare for the beautiful journey ahead, let Home Threads be your partner in creating a serene nest for your growing family. At HomeThreads.com, explore a collection designed for comfort and style during this special time. From cozy nursery essentials to soothing rocking chairs, Home Threads has everything to create the perfect home for your little one and all Always at the best value. If you like unique items, then you definitely need to check out Home Threads. We got a silver picture frame from Home Threads that is absolutely beautiful. It's one of those timeless, classic items that will last for years to come and it fits in any space in your home. Be sure to visit homethreads.com forward slash Dr. Nicole today and receive a code for 15% off your first order. Home Threads, love where you live. Okay, so then let's talk about how things unfolded for you.
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I labored for five days four of which were completely unmedicated. Okay. And so it's, so day one started maybe around three in the morning on day one, uh-huh. I woke up and I was having cramps, but I had been having cramps prior to that. And they were just like, Oh, it's Braxton Hicks. Sure. Contractions, you know, it's fine, whatever. And so I woke up and they were a little bit more intense And so I, I went to the bathroom and I noticed what I thought was my mucus plug. And I was like, Oh, maybe today's the day. Right. And so,
0: um, Oh, and how far along were you? Were you near before your due date at your due date? I was
1: at 29 weeks. 39. I mean, not 29, 39. Yeah, 39, Excuse okay. <laughs> I was at 39
0: weeks. Gotcha, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gotcha, okay, okay, okay. So that was day one.
1: Yeah, so that was day one. So I was able to go back to sleep and then mm-hmm. I had contractions throughout the day. They were like 20 minutes apart for most of the day. And then into the evening, they started to pick up and they started to become more intense. And then around eight o'clock that night, they started to be around three minutes apart and so the birth center was like oh well come on in and so we went up there and the contractions got really so when we got there I was two centimeters dilated okay and then so I was there laboring doing all of the the techniques that we had learned all the breathing exercises we had our, our go bag we were ready we thought for sure he was you know the baby was going to be born that night right by I don't know maybe by two or three in the morning the contractions were about, about a minute and a half apart and they checked me again and I was four centimeters and then by seven ish in the morning, everything stopped. Okay. Like just completely stopped. Okay. And they were like, Oh, you know, that's okay. Maybe your body's tired. Sometimes this happens. Mm-hmm. You know what you should do? You should just go home, rest, and you know, your contractions will start up again at some point and then right. we'll have a baby. Right. And it, said okay so it's that was day one and so I was kind of like okay with it because I was really tired so I was like this is a nice break you know we'll just have them tomorrow right so then day two starts and it's more of the same it's kind of like a carbon copy of day one so you know going into day three I'm a little frustrated Mm -hmm. um so my midwife I'm not midwife my doula comes over to the house once my contractions start up again, and she's like, "We're gonna do some exercises and some stretches that will hopefully help the baby's head put more pressure on your cervix." Okay. Because at this point, I still hadn't dilated past four centimeters. Okay. And so we did all kinds of different stretches and and positions, and some of them were really uncomfortable. And um, with the hope that that would happen, and it did feel like his head had dropped down a little bit. Right. So then, you know, contractions pick up even more. We go to the birth center. I'm at the birth center doing curb walking and doing bouncing the on the things, yoga ball right? and, <laughs> and just trying to get this baby going. Right. And, you know, the same thing happened about eight hours later, completely stalled out. I was in tears. <laughs> I like, what is going on? Right. I feel like I'm doing all the things right. that I'm supposed to do. It's right. not working. So then, day four comes, and we labor. Or I labor most of the time at the house. Okay. In the middle of the night, um, leading into day four, uh-huh. my contractions start, and they're really strong. But I knew that this was probably going to stop at some point. So my husband, we were sleeping in our room, and I was like. I need him to sleep and I'm not going to call my doula cause I need her to sleep too. Cause we've been at this for three and a half days. Right. And so I'm like, I'll just go into the other room. I know how to manage my pain and, and breathe through it. I'm going to go and labor in, in our guest room and you know, it'll probably stop by the morning. And right. so, so I was able to get through that by the morning they slowed down and then, um, Again, later in the evening, they started up again, or later in the afternoon, excuse Uh me, they started uh up again. So we went to the birth center. And again, we're hoping, we're like, this time has to be it. Like, it's day four. I have to have dilated past four centimeters because they're really strong. And they're starting to, like like creep their way into my back and mm-hmm. into my butt. I don't, I don't know. What yeah, no, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like becoming like a whole, a, a whole new sensation right. of, of discomfort. And so we go to the birth center. I'm like, we have to be at least six centimeters. Like it has to have changed. Right. And, and the, the midwife, the midwife does, the exam. And she looked like she was going to cry. And she was like, I am so sorry. You're still at four centimeters. And I was like, what is happening? Why is my body not working? And, and I was just like, I can't do another day of this. I'm mentally tired. My body is tired. I'm hurting. Right. Right. And I felt, I felt heartbroken that like, I had to say, I need a hospital transfer because I felt like I had failed. I felt like, like somehow I was unprepared and it, and I missed a step and it and sure. things didn't work out. And I was, it was just a big ego hit for me.
0: Sure, sure, sure. Okay. Okay. So then you decide you want to go to the hospital where the midwife, did they try and talk you out of it or was it no. like,
1: no, they were very supportive. I think they, they, realized I needed the support and they understood why I was asking for one. It was, okay. it was a tall order, four days of, of sure. labor with no progress. Sure. So sure. yeah, they okay. were, they were very supportive.
0: So then how did they help facilitate the transfer?
1: So they had a list of hospitals that they preferred. They had two that the birthing units had midwives you know, mixed amongst the the nurses and doctors. Okay. Um, and so they called them first to see if they had any openings that I could take and they didn't. And so they were like, Okay, well the next one down the list we we have a doctor that we that comes to our practice every now and then for like high risk moms just to do like checks on them. Right. And so we could send you to his hospital. And so I was like, okay. And so they were like, okay, you can go there but you can't go they don't have a, a spot for you until about ten o'clock at night, and I said, "Well, I mean, <laughs> I don't have any other options." So okay, right,
0: right, right.
1: So my husband and I, we go home, we eat dinner, we pack a bigger bag because now we're anticipating staying overnight or a couple of sure. days at the hospital instead sure. of going back home after the birth like we would have done at the birth center. And so around around the time to check in, we head over to the hospital. And, um, we go to registration and immediately it was just a night and day difference between what I had experienced at the birth center. Mm-hmm. And it was very jarring mm. and like it immediately, I felt like it, it, like it became so clinical and so like, duh, 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 and like very like mm. regimented and checklisty and, you know, height, weight, how many weeks are you pregnant? What's your birth? Like, nobody asked me, how are you feeling? You know, right. what are your concerns? Like, there was none of that. It was very, like, fill out this form, change into this gown. And and even the changing into the gown, when they gave me the gown, when the nurse gave me the gown, the registration woman was still in the room, like, taking my insurance information. Right. And she was like, I need you to change into this gown. And I said, okay. And so I'm, like, holding the gown, talking to the registration woman and the nurse is like, I need you to change now. And I was like, but um, sh- you, everyone is still in the room. Right. Can you give like, me some privacy? Right. And she's, she's like, okay, hurry up. And then they like turn around. They didn't even leave the room. They just turned around and I was like, okay, well this is really <laughs> insensitive. Oh so yeah. So like from the beginning I was like, oh boy. Right. I don't know.
0: <laughs> right. Oh, that just, okay. That just sets the, the uh, you just feel like from there, like how, you know, how is this going to go? Yeah. So I guess just talk through, let's, 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 let's get into okay. it. How did, how did things go from there? Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. It was, it was, it was an, an adventure. So, um, so finally we get to my labor room, my labor and delivery room mm-hmm. and I get set up in there. And so the the nurse comes in, a different nurse now, she comes in and she asks me if I want Pitocin and an epidural. And I said, ideally, I don't want either. And she said to me, well, if you're not going to get Pitocin or an epidural, then you need to leave because that's the only way that you're going to deliver here. And I was like, what? (laughs) I was like, okay, well, maybe Pitocin to help me dilate. Right. And she was like, If we give you Pitocin, we're going to have to also give you an epidural. You're not going to be able to handle it. And I was just like, oh, okay. Okay, fine. We'll do both. It was, I was tired. I was overwhelmed. I was, I was all the things. So I was like, okay, let's, let's do them both. So then the anesthesiologist comes in to do the epidural and he walks in with like a tray of instruments and things and a whole bunch of stuff that are super unfamiliar to me. And he's like, I'm going to put in your epidural. And I am I was like, okay, how is that done? And he was like, I, I put it in and then, you know, you'll go numb from the waist down. And I was like, yeah, but like, how do you, how do you put it in? Like, it's not an IV. Like, how is it done? Right. And he's like, I take this needle and I put it in. Can you, he was like, now nah, I need you to open up the back of your gown and bend forward. And I was like, wait, wait, I don't understand how it's done. I just want to know how it's done. And he's like. He's like, I don't I don't know what you're asking me. Can you please bend forward? Can you please bend forward? And then my husband was like, stop. And everybody stopped. And he was like, She wants to, she wants you to explain how you put it into her, how it works. And he was like, Oh. And so then he stopped, he explained it. And I was like, Okay, go ahead. And I didn't know it goes into your back. I didn't <laughs> so so that was new information to me. I my mouth is open. I- <laughs> I just, that, oh, that is so
0: wrong. Okay. I mean, I, that is, I just, it's just so unacceptable. Like that is not how you explain, you don't know, you, you've you never had a baby. How are you supposed to know yeah. how an epidural, works? <laughs> and even for any procedure, the physician is supposed to explain the risk, the benefits, the, all of those things. Right. And that doesn't sound like that happened.
1: How, I mean, how could you, feel were you scared to have this person with this needle okay I was terrified I I felt like I I felt like how Tracy McMillan probably felt when when I was reading her essay that like I am a highly educated you know middle class woman I have great health insurance I you know whatever why am I being treated like I'm an idiot? Like, right. Why am I being treated like I'm a burden? I'm not a burden, but I'm being made to feel like that just because I asked how something is done. Right. And I it made me feel like 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 there's this there's this like social mindset construct that you that people generally blindly will trust people in uniforms or people with, you mm-hmm. know, a certain mm-hmm. dress that makes them look like something familiar, so doctors' mm-hmm. outfits and police mm-hmm. and whatever. And so that like intrinsic trust, mm-hmm. I guess, or mm-hmm. intrinsic obedience, yeah. even, uh, yeah, yeah, is yeah. probably what some of the people in that hospital were used to sure. and weren't used to people asking and wanting informed, wanting informed consent. Sure. And so that was off-putting to them, or maybe right. they felt like I was challenging them, but I, right. I truly wasn't. I sure. was, I was, it was, I was new to the game. I, I just
0: want you to explain what you're doing to me. Yeah. Like, that's not, you're not asking a, a, a lot. You're, th- th- I mean, this is the bare minimum, actually, of what is supposed <laughs> to happen that you get explained, you know, they explain to you what happens during a procedure. Okay. So did the epidural, at least the placement go well and was it, did it work?
1: Yeah. Yeah. That went well. Okay. As soon as it kicked in, I was like on cloud nine. I felt so much better. <laughs> okay. Well, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, was, that piece went well.
0: Okay. 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 So then what happened with the rest of your labor?
1: So I was able to fall asleep pretty soon after the epidural and the, and the Pitocin kicked in. And so I slept for maybe three or four hours okay. and then the nurse woke me up and, <clears throat> and told me that my contractions were super close together and I was like, Oh, I didn't even realize I was having them. Right. She was like, "Yeah, I'm tracking them on this thing. And she was like, since your water's not broken, I'm going to break your water. And I was like, Oh, okay. How's that done? (laughs) And she was in the room for the epidural. So she was like, let me just tell this girl (laughs) how it's done. Right. So she explained how, you know, you know how the different ways you can break someone's water and what Uh she was going to do. And she did that and it was a wild sensation. <laughs> it is weird. Cause it's
0: like something is coming out of your body and you have no control mm-hmm. over it. And it's like, and yeah, it's like just, it's lot. very, it's a very odd, yeah, yeah. It's a very <laughs> odd sensation. Did she, it sounds like she presented it as like, this is what is going to happen mm-hmm. and not as an option. Yeah. Is that.
1: Yeah. It was very much like, okay, the next thing in this, in this saga is I break your water. Right. And there's no left or right. It's, straight through. <laughs> right. Okay. So I, I was like, okay, I guess that's what we're doing.
0: Right. Right. Okay. Okay. And it was the nurse who did it. Mm-hmm. Interesting. That's not the case in, in a lot of hospitals. So that's interesting. Okay. All <laughs> right. So then what, what I'm just all like, this I know. Is it's, yeah.
1: It's all
0: over the, <laughs> all over the yeah, place. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So then how did, how, how, was she were people nice were they
1: or was it all just like um at this point it was still all just like uh-huh. really regimented uh-huh. and we hadn't we hadn't called my doula yet because we wanted to save her hours for the actual birth sure so so we hadn't called her to come in yet sure so so she broke my water and then she like this might be a little bit graphic, but... No, go ahead. So she, like... You know when you have a puppy, you get, like, those puppy pads? Uh-huh, yeah. Okay, so she put, like, several of those underneath me, and then uh-huh. as, you know, the water's coming out, she's, like, moving them and moving them and moving them. Finally it stops, and she, like, has me, like, kind of roll so she can put a new sheet, and, and she does all of that. She she cleans the bed, but she didn't clean me. <laughs> And although I'm numb, I can still feel, like, the wetness and, like, I feel gross. And so, like, she leaves the room and I ask my husband, I'm like, I'm so sorry I have to ask you to do this, but can you wipe my butt? (laughs) Girl, this... This
0: makes me so, this is one of my pet peeves. I'm thinking of some of my L&D nurse friends who would be mortified at a, a nurse doing this. Like you, you, you get your patient cleaned up. Like you don't just leave your patient and just, okay. Okay. That's just so wrong. That is not how it should be. Period. Okay. So your husband has to help clean you up.
1: Yeah. And so, you know, I get, I get cleaned up, I get comfortable again. And, um, Oh, do you know how dilated you were around that time? Around this time? I think she said I was six centimeters, which is super exciting because I'm like, okay, progress. Things are working. Right.
0: Right. Right.
1: (laughs) So, um, she brings out like a big peanut ball Uh and she has me like lay on my side and like, you know, with the peanut ball between my legs and then, she comes back an hour later and I lay on the other side and she's like, this will help you dilate. And it did. After a couple of hours of, of that, I was at eight centimeters and okay. then we were like, wait, hey, let's call, let's call the doula. And so my doula gets there. And then the, the OB um, comes in for his first visit and he introduces himself and he is this big, massive man. And I'm like, Oh boy. Okay. Right, right. And he walks in, he's like, I'm Dr. So-and-so I'm going to be your OB. And he puts on a glove and he walks right over to the bed and he does a pelvic exam. And he wasn't gentle and like, didn't ask. He didn't even warn me that he was going to do that. He just did it. And it was jarring to me. It was jarring to my husband. It was jarring to my doula. It was not jarring to anybody else though. And he was like, well, it's not time to push yet. You're only eight centimeters or whatever. And I was speechless. And he was like, I'll be back later. And then he left. And I was like, that was weird. Because, and I I was talking to my husband and my doula. I was like, that was weird. At the birth center, they always said, I'm going to do an exam now. And then they would take their hand and put it on my thigh and say, this is my hand. And they would like, kind of like, like pat up your thigh so that like their touch doesn't shock you and say okay is it okay if i do it now and you say yes and then they do it and it's fine but there was none of that it was just like boom and i i i had no words to describe how i felt i i felt inhuman and so this
0: is so i just i mean i'm like almost like in tears this is so awful and <laughs> Yeah. The part about it that is so like heartbreak—I mean, it's just heartbreaking all around. But like, this is a common culture problem in obstetrics. He—he—he he, he probably thought he was doing nothing wrong because that is what he's always done, and that is how he always does it. And we don't, as a specialty, start to th- you know realize we have a human being in front of us. Mm-hmm. I mean, even I, like, I've—I was never—I've never been like. That aggressive or anything like that before. I'll be honest. For a while, it didn't occur to me early in my practice that we're so you sh- you need to stop and ask someone before you put your fingers in their vagina. For God's sakes. <laughs> like this is not like yeah. you know. Like why are we not? This isn't hard. Like why why do we not think about these sort of things? So yeah. uh, so then, how did you feel after that? It, it, what, what what did you decide to do or how approach things after that?
1: So. So after that, I was like, well, maybe, you know, I, I was shocked. So sure. I was trying to rationalize it in my head. And I was like, this is, I mean, the nurses here and the staff here, when they told me who my doctor was, they were like, oh, he's great. Everyone loves him. He's super friendly. And I'm like, maybe he was in a rush. Maybe right. that's not normally how he does things. Right. So he comes in again a little later and he does the same thing again. And so at this point, so prior to him doing the exams i i had had exams done obviously at the birth center um and i had had i don't know three or four done prior to his Mm -hmm. and so at this point i am extremely sore and extremely sensitive down there um so he comes in again and he does it again he does the same thing does the exam and after he does the exam he goes well you're not progressing and I see this a lot and, and you're, you're going to fail at pushing. So we should probably just get ready for a C-section. And I was like, w- what, like, how, how are you saying this? Like, explain this to me. Why, am, why are you telling me I'm going to fail? Like, I, huh? Right. And it was just like, he was like, nope, I see this a lot. This isn't going to work. And very like matter of fact, very upsetting and, and, and so I was like, no. And so my, my doula at this point comes in and she's like, well, you know, let's let's give it a little bit more time and, you know, see if you die. Because I was at nine centimeters at that point. Okay. And she's like, it's, you're almost there. Let's give it a little more time. Um, I'm sure if we do some more um, like position changes, we can get the pressure down and we can get to 10. Just, you know, give her a chance. And he's like, OK. And he walks out. And I tell my husband and my doula, well, I told the nurse first, I told his nurse first, I was like, I don't want him to do any more pelvic exams on me. Mm -hmm. And she was like, what do you mean? And I was like, it hurts when he does it. He doesn't ask. And I don't I don't feel comfortable with it. And she was I was like, I would actually prefer maybe if you did them. And she was like, oh, I can't do them. And I was like, why not? And she said, he has to do them because he's the one who has to give you permission to push or else he won't get paid by your insurance or something like that. And I was like, huh? I'm like, how, how is he going to give me permission to push that? What? And so I was like, okay. And so I turned from her and now I'm facing my husband and I'm like, I don't want him to touch me anymore. I don't care what that means for insurance. He needs not touch me. I don't care who they bring in to do the, if, if, if a pelvic exam is needed, but it can't be him. And so my husband's like, okay, I'll fire him. And I was like, okay, because I had, I had, I, prior to this, Mm -hmm. I had read a thing, um, or maybe I listened to a podcast Mm -hmm. and found out that you can fire your doctor you can, if... and you might have had it in a couple episodes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Mm. So maybe maybe it's your podcast. Yeah, yeah you can if, if someone on the staff is making you uncomfortable, sure. you can ask for, right. to see someone different. And so I was like, Okay, I'm gonna do that. Right. I'm gonna end up for myself right. a little bit. And so he comes back in puts on the glove and I can tell he's about to he's about to do the thing again. And so my husband's like, uh, can I talk to you outside, doctor? And he's like, sure. And so they go into the hallway and my husband tells him, I, I couldn't hear them, but my husband told me what he said. Right. But he tells him, Candace is uncomfortable with you touching her. So we're going to ask for a new OB to to do her care. And he was like, what? And he was like, what did you not understand? And he's like, He's like, what do you mean she doesn't want me to touch her? And he's and my husband's like, She's not comfortable with you touching her. We want a new doctor. Right. And he's like, fine. And so he like leaves and we get assigned another doctor. And that doctor ended up being fantastic. She ended up being like a breath of fresh air. Prior to being at that hospital, she had worked at a birth center ah. amongst midwives. So it was like, finally, light at the end of the tunnel. So she comes in. I think my doula and my husband kind of briefed her before she came in to talk to me, like, what was going on, why I was there, why we fired the doctor. So she came in, she sat down next to me, and she introduced herself. And she said she told me her background and how her care is different than that guy's care. And, you know whatever, whatever would make me comfortable. She's willing to do. And I told her I cannot tolerate any more pelvic exams. And she was like, she was like, I, you know, she validated me. I hear you. She's like, I need to do just one. I just need to do one. And then I won't do any more. I promise. And so I was like, okay, but she did the, she did the same thing they did at the birth center. And, you know, I'm going to do an exam now. Here's my hand, pat, pat, pat. May I perform it now and and so it still hurt because I was already pretty Just sore, sure, but it was it was a different experience. It mm-hmm. was like finally like I feel like a person again, right. and so so now the the care team is is getting back to a good place, but then like physically things are not going okay th- things are not going to plan okay so I. I can't remember what they called it, but my cervix was swollen on one side.
0: Maybe an anterior lip. Sometimes we call it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. An an anterior
1: Mm -hmm. lip. So that side wasn't going to stretch anymore. Mm -hmm. It wasn't going to expand anymore. Mm -hmm. And so they were like, you're like nine and a half. You can push, but it might, it might, you know, take a while. It might be difficult, whatever. So she gave me permission to push. We started pushing I I changed positions so many times, Mm -hmm. and I was pushing for about three and a half hours. Oh, wow. Okay. And the baby did not... Like, you. my husband said he could see the top of his head, but he did not come out of the cervix the entire time. Okay. And the more I pushed, the more inflamed my cervix got, and the more pain I got. And I didn't realize that, like, epidurals are kind of, like, gravity-based, so if, if you're like, if you're elevated, like on your hands and knees or something, all of the numbing will go to the lowest part. And so it felt like the epidural was like in my shins and in my feet and not where I needed it. So the pain level spiked. It was, it was was awful. And so I asked, I was like, can I please have some something, some kind of pain medicine? Can I have something? And so they, I don't know what they gave me. They gave me something and it, didn't help with the pain but it made me like really woozy mm-hmm. and spaced out yes, maybe and... fentanyl okay yeah, so not... i i felt like oh whatever like i felt very whatever uh-huh. i could still feel the pain sure. but i didn't care so much yeah mm-hmm. so then that's when the pain really like shifted okay and then this is gonna sound really graphic but i don't know how else to describe yeah. it I felt like I was sitting on a, a railroad spike. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was like a really sharp pain okay. Like in my butt. Right. And it was it was too much. Okay. It, was, it was way too much. And I turned to my doula and I was like, I'm done. I was like, I want, I want a C-section. And she was like, no, you can do it. And I was like, no, 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 no. You, like, I'm you're not-, not hearing what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, no, no, I don't. That's not what I need. I don't need a cheerleader right now. Right. Like, I'm telling you this. is I'm done with this. Right. Like, I can't. Right. like it's okay right I've, I've i've come to terms this is this isn't it right. this isn't how i have my son right i was like i want a C section i gotta be done with this <laughs> and so she was like okay
0: hey so you made it this far in the episode and i'm thinking it's because you enjoyed this podcast well if that's the case then i have a favor to ask Producing a podcast involves time, effort, and resources from recording equipment to an editor, hosting fees, coordinating guests, countless hours spent researching and crafting content. It all adds up. And that's where I could use your support Again, that's NicoleRankins.com forward slash support. Thank you so much for being part of the All About Pregnancy and Birth community. Now back to the show.
1: So she told the doctor, the doctor immediately starts to set it up. And about 20 minutes later, they wheeled me back to the OR. And they, I don't, again, I didn't research C-sections. Mm-hmm. I had no idea how they were supposed to be done. Sure. So I go back first to get prepped and they were Mm -hmm. like, your husband will join you later. And I said, okay. And so they put me on the table or I'm on the, uh, they shift me to the operating table and they put this big drape up so I can't see what's in front of me. Mm -hmm. And then they strap my arms to the table. And I don't know if that's normal or not, but it was, you I to. thought it was odd. It's, it's you,
0: it, we used to, do like, it's, it's unnecessary. Okay. We do it when people have general anesthesia because they can't, literally can't control their arms when they're completely asleep. Okay. But when people are awake, we actually do not need to strap. Their arms—it's a leftover thing that we still do for oh, okay. no, that. Some hospitals still do for no reason.
1: Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, this <laughs> yes, Well, of it was course, done. Yeah. <laughs> of course it would happen in my story. Why not? <laughs> so arms are strapped. So I'm like in a T, and the doctor said, or the anesthesiologist is like, you might trem- you might tremble a little bit because of the medicine. And I was like, okay, whatever. Like, I, what? I don't. Right. I don't know what that means. Right. But okay. And so he starts the medicine, I like go numb from the chest down, and I start like violently shaking. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, this is, this is bizarre, weird. This -hmm. is crazy. Mm -hmm. And my husband comes back and he's like, why are you shaking? And the doctor's like, oh, it's normal. And We're like, okay. And so (laughs) they were like, whatever. At this point this is it's just such a reminder,
0: like we we see these things. So we know that but the person in front of us does not know. (laughs) that, And it's going to seem crazy that they're shaking uncontrollably, Mm -hmm. like, we need to do a little more to you know, anyway, so, okay, so then how did the C section itself go?
1: So the C section was fine. They, you know, the same the same OB, um, she performed it. So she's she's doing what she needs to do I'm hearing sounds of things my husband is talking to me to keep me calm and then she was like okay here comes the baby and I was like okay (laughs) and I feel this enormous amount of pressure Mm -hmm. it didn't hurt but it was an overwhelming Mm -hmm. amount of pressure Mm -hmm. and then it was like pop and then I hear a scream And I'm like, oh my God, my baby's right. here. And so they take him and they pop him around the curtain. They're like, here he is. And then I was like, yay, I get to hold him. And then they take him away okay. and they took him over to like the cleaning station right. and, and right. to do all of that. Right. And I'm like, oh, okay. I don't get to, you know, be face to face or be the first person to touch him right. or whatever. Right. And so I'm like, okay. So they take him and they're cleaning him up. And they're like, I'm like, can my husband come over there? And they're like, in a minute. And I'm like, okay. And so eventually they're like, okay, come on over, dad. And so he goes over, he cuts the umbilical cord, he gets to hold Javi. And I'm like, can I hold him? And they're like, you can't hold him until you leave here, until you leave the operating room. And I'm like, okay. And so they finished closing me up and, you know, taking me off the medicine. They wheel me back to the laboring room mm-hmm. and sit me up. And then they bring, and then my husband brings Javi over to me. And that's the first time I held him. Right. So like 20 minutes after I gave birth to him, right. I got to hold him. Right.
0: So they didn't try to do skin to skin in the OR, it sounds like. No. Yeah. It wasn't offered as an option. No. Okay. 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 Uh, it can't, it certainly can be done, especially it, it, it now, granted. It can be awkward because you're laying on the table. Mm-hmm. See, and that's part of the reason, like they strap your arms down. They, you know, I'm get, getting off on a tangent in <laughs> my head about some of the thoughts or things, but people get so used to doing things a certain way that they, they can't see what you know they can't see the things that can be changed so
1: and like i get that like what was i i get that what was going on to well to the doctors and the and the medical staff this is their day job so Mm -hmm. yeah it can be very like routine and Mm -hmm. like they pop out babies all the time and it's you know but to the person on the other side you know, me, this is a life experience. This is like a core memory being formed. And I get my core memory is your day job, but like try to remember that a little bit, <laughs> like the bedside manner, like just a little bit. Yes,
0: yes, 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 yes. Okay.
1: Oh Lord. Okay.
0: Um. So then what was the postpartum period like?
1: In the hospital, it was like kind of more of the same. Sure. Okay. <laughs> So you know, I didn't I didn't know that they come in and like push on your stomach mm-hmm. immediately. That was horrible. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, that was that was what it was. Okay. Um, they wheel me up to they wheel us up to the um, to the recovery room, and they were like, okay. and remember, this is during the pandemic. This is twenty twenty one. Sure. Okay. So no visitors. We're not allowed to leave our room, um, and and all of that. And so. They wheel us up. Javi's in the little little baby Tupperware thing. And, <laughs> <laughs> and the nurse that was assigned to me in there, she was like, okay. She's like, do you want to stand up? And I was like, yeah, I want to stand up. And she was like, okay, let's try to stand up. And so I tried to sit up and I was like, this, this is the worst pain I've ever felt. And she was like, oh, did you just have a C-section? And I was like, yeah. She was like, yo, you're not you're not going to stand up today. And I'm like, why did you offer wow, it then? He- <laughs> Ma'am, I need you to read my chart before you come in the room, please. <laughs> I was like, what? Right. Oh, my goodness. She was like, oh, why didn't you say so? I'm like, are you That's, serious? That, shouldn't you know that? Like, okay. Yeah. Okay. So I'm like, okay, no standing up. Right. And again, didn't prepare for what recovery after a C-section mm-hmm. entails, but mm-hmm. that was... That was a beast in itself. But um, so, you know, continuing the thing that we had started of of informed consent and advocating. And so the next morning, a pediatrician comes in and he walks, he's like, I'm, I'm going to be your son's pre- pediatrician, blah, blah. And he walks over and he goes to pick up Javi. And I'm like, what are you doing? Right. And he was like, I'm going to check him out. And I was like, what does check him out mean? Right. And he's like, I'm going to perform the exam. I was like, but what does the exam, like, what are you going to do? Right. And he was like, I don't understand. I'm like, are you going to weigh him? Are you going to take his temperature? Are you going to check his heart? Like, what are you you doing? And he was like, oh. And then he named all the things. Sure. And and then, so that, so after that visit, anytime he came in, he would announce himself, tell me what he was going to do and then do it. Yes. And so he was like, okay. Yeah. So, and then like the rest of. The care, Maybe they wrote it on my chart. I don't know. But everyone started to do that after that. And then, you know, things started going smoothly. And so now it's like day two after the C-section. Uh-huh. And I still haven't like, like I've, I've now learned to, to like figure out how to pull myself to a sitting position. Right. And enough to like shuffle to the bathroom. But that was like kind of all on my own. And I was, I had asked the nurse, I was like, is like someone maybe from like physical therapy or something going to show me how to walk again or how to move around after having a C-section? And the nurse said, oh yeah, they usually come in right before you discharge. And I thought that seems late. I feel like that should be maybe towards the... The beginning of the care right. so so day three comes and we're we're preparing to discharge from the hospital and i think the last appointment was like physical therapy to show me how to to show me the stuff that i had pretty much already figured right, out right, right yeah and so then after we left the hospital um i wanted to make an appointment with at the birth center with the care team there and mm-hmm. It was a little bit upsetting because they were like, "Okay, we usually do two visits with with mom after the baby is born, but since you did a hospital transfer, all of your additional care has to be through the hospital." Oh. And so I was like, Ugh, "This okay. sucks!" <laughs> right, right, right. So I I did my follow ups on the C section at the hospital, and
0: okay,
1: you know, that was I don't know that was sure. pretty routine, right? Okay. And did you breastfeed? No, uh, we exclusively formula fed.
0: Okay, okay, mm-hmm. okay. And then did you see the doctor who had done the C-section or did you see other?
1: I saw, I don't, I don't even remember her name, but it was a different doctor. Okay. Each yeah. time I went yeah. for the two follow-ups I did at the hospital, it was, sure. they were different doctors. Okay.
0: I'm surprised that birth center didn't see you at least once afterwards. That is a little bit, um, but yeah, I'm just, I'm just surprised they didn't see you at least once afterwards.
1: Yeah. I thought so too. Right. I thought, right. you know, at least just to catch up and see yeah. the baby. <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 right. I did end up taking him up there to see for them to see him. But yeah. Gotcha.
0: Gotcha. So I guess as we wrap up, how, how do you feel overall about the experience?
1: So if you were to ask me this, like three months afterwards, mm-hmm. I was... I was, I was in full-on postpartum depression. Mm. I was really disappointed in myself. I, sure. I, I hated how my birth experience turned out. Sure. Like, it was, like, it was just, like, a really, really bad memory, really mm-hmm. upsetting memory. Mm-hmm. My husband, like, he even, like, had nightmares about seeing me in that much pain and going oh, through it. And right. I, I feel like that's also a thing that, you know, we don't really consider is the effects Mm. of these things on on the birthing partners yeah but you know he definitely had his own mental struggles with that one Mm -hmm. but it it took a lot of processing to accept what happened and you know make sense of it and and see the light in it and see like you know we did everything that we could have done and, and everything that we could have done that we ended up doing we did well like I sure. labored for four days unmedicated. Yeah. That's that's a feat. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Did you did you seek any professional help to help process things?
1: Yeah. Okay. I definitely did. I okay. um I saw a therapist who specialized in postpartum depression. Okay. Then, you know, I I met with her twice a week in the beginning, and then we phased back to once a week, and then every two weeks. Oh, twice a week. Okay. Yeah, I was, I was, I was.
0: Gotcha. I don't
1: know. It was, it was a weird it was a weird adjustment period. I don't know if it was because my son came from a Mm C-section, but there were moments in the first three months where he could have been anyone's baby. Like Mm. it didn't click with me that he was mine. Like Mm. I just, I I almost felt like I was babysitting. I don't feel like I, I like that mom closeness, like, clicked in until maybe around six months. And then I was like, oh, yeah, this is, this is me. This This is is mine. I I grew this human. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. (laughs) It was weird. I'm like, where did this baby come from? Right. Right. This guy was
0: in here. Right. (laughs) Right. Okay. And then what is, the one piece of advice that you would give to people who are preparing to give birth? I think I have a guess for what it is, but let me see what you say.
1: (laughs) Prepare for the unexpected. No, I knew it. Yeah, (laughs) That's what I figured. Yes. (laughs) At least have an idea of, Uh um, you know, what, I mean, you may not know about like prodermal labor, is that what it's called? Mm -hmm. Where Mm -hmm. your labor starts. and You may not know about that, but like. You know, you should look into, you know, what happens in a Mm C-section or what happens with how an epidural is put, even if you don't plan on having that, you know, just knowing that. Right, right. Would have made things, I think, maybe a little bit less stressful (laughs) for me. Gotcha. gotcha and also to advocate for yourself oh,
0: 1000 percent, yeah 1000 percent. so where can women connect with you you can say nowhere if you want <laughs>
1: um i'm on instagram okay um, okay yeah my instagram is uh-huh. candace brown seven okay candace spelled a-c-e all right well we will put that in the show notes well candace thank you so
0: much for agreeing to come on to the podcast your story just unfortunately highlights so many of the problems in our traditional hospital system, but also I think shows how it doesn't have to be that Mm -hmm. way. Like there's, it it just doesn't have to be. So thank you so much for sharing. I appreciate it.
1: Yeah. I I appreciate you giving me space to share. I know it's a, it's a heavy story and, you know, I don't want to trauma dump on anyone, but it does feel good to share that story. And I do want to mention that i I know that this is, you know, my story is not what what is to be expected out of a pregnancy and out of a delivery. So I don't, I don't want to like scare anybody off, but you know, being prepared. Sure.
0: But we have to be honest about the reality of what people yeah. are experiencing. You know, if we don't know it, then we can't do better. Okay, wasn't that a lot? I'm so glad that Candace came on and shared her story. I really appreciate her taking the time to do so. Again, it just highlights some of the major issues that can happen in our system. Now, you know, after every episode, when I have a guest on, I do something called Dr. Nicole's Notes, where I talk about my top takeaways from the conversation. Here are my Dr. Nicole's notes from my conversation with Candace. Two of them are quick, one of them is a little bit longer. One, I want to say that how she talked about labor starting, stopping, starting, stopping for a number of days, that is not uncommon. So definitely be prepared for the possibility that that can happen. I'm not going to say like it happens to most people, but it certainly is a possibility that that sort of prodromal labor can last for hours, days, sometimes even weeks, okay? Number two, I want to reiterate the importance of preparing for possible things that could come. Not just in a hospital birth, but in birth in general. That is one of the things that I focus on in the birth preparation course. I have a whole module section on preparing for possibilities. So definitely check that out. The birth preparation course is my online childbirth education class. You can learn all the details at drnicolerankins.com forward slash enroll. And then the thing that I want to spend the most time on in my Dr. Nicole's notes is the culture problem that we have with obstetrics in the US. And by culture problem, I mean a culture of not explaining things appropriately to patients, a culture of this assumed deference to authority, that business-like approach to medicine and like checklist and doing all the things, doing things like a vaginal exam without explicit consent. All of those things, unfortunately, are things that are pretty or can be pretty routine within our system because that's the culture that is learned and perpetuated. As I said in the episode, these are things that I myself have done before in the past. I'm ashamed to say that it never occurred to me until I was out of practice for probably a solid, I don't know, seven, eight years that I should ask consent before doing something like a vaginal exam where I'm placing my fingers in someone's vagina. Just the culture just does not teach that that's something that's important to do. We don't center the person giving birth in their experience. And that doesn't mean that people aren't nice. I would never say that I was you know mean or forceful or anything like that. And people in in the hospital with Candace said that this doctor was nice, friendly, patients love him, but nice is not the same as actually centering the person in their experience. We just have a serious culture problem. And that culture problem gets perpetuated because those doctors and nurses in a the hospital, they see the way that they practice. That's how people around them practice. And that just continues, continues, and continues. We very much so practice in silos. That is so much of why my work is about expanding those silos and expanding people's um, awareness of the ability to approach medicine a different way. That's what I do a lot on my professional facing social media, like LinkedIn and Twitter, that kind of thing, of of demonstrating that there's a different way that we can practice. And I also wanna say that these problems exist for all people giving birth, but they are most certainly amplified for black women and other people from marginalized communities. And in Candace's case, her education did not protect her. It didn't matter that she had degrees in math, computer science, she's working on a PhD. None of that protected her, none of that mattered when she showed up. And that is an experience that all people can face, but it is most certainly amplified for black women. And it's not always easy to speak up in these situations, right? You're in a vulnerable position. You may be in pain. You don't want to be labeled as difficult because that can have some consequences, or you worry that it may have consequences on your care. And that's why a couple of things are really important about approaching these situations. Ideally, you want to know ahead of time as best you can that you're not in that type of situation. So you want to prepare yourself, ask questions during the prenatal period. But in the moment of birth, you absolutely need to have an advocate with you who can communicate on your behalf if need be. This is just a must. The reality is this is a must. You need somebody who feels comfortable speaking up for you on your behalf. And I'm not saying you need to go in there guns blazing, yelling, mean, screaming, that kind of thing, demanding, because that doesn't necessarily set a good tone, right? So start from a place of kindness and expressing your feelings like this makes me uncomfortable that you're not asking my permission before you're doing this exam. That's why I don't want you here anymore. Or say that I feel scared or I feel worried or these are the things that I want. I just want people to explain things to me. I want people to ask me before they do things. Those are not things that are too much to ask. You can even relate it to like, if your wife, your sister, your mother, your friend was giving birth, you know, when you want them to be able to have these things too. Okay. So those things are absolutely crucial. Now, the other thing that I want to highlight is that she also in her story demonstrated how it it ain't gotta be this way, okay? It's not hard for us to really just stop for a moment and center the person in the experience, explain things, that kind of thing. She talked about how the replacement doctor was much better. And that is because that doctor had trained with midwives. She was incorporating aspects of midwifery care into her practice. I. This is a hill I will die on. This is something that physicians can start to do right now. It is something that I found that I did in my practice, incorporate aspects of midwifery care into the way physicians approach practice. We are not anytime soon going to be able to um, if I have a midwife for everyone, that is not going to happen anytime soon, and we need to be able to take care of the people who are giving birth right now. Okay, we can all very easily incorporate some of the, those aspects of midwifery care into our practice, and they make such a big difference in the experience. Like, this is not a hard problem to solve. Okay, so again we have that culture problem in our system and in order to combat that do your best to know your doctor know the hospital situation ahead of time that comes from asking questions in the prenatal period making a birth plan my birth plan class is a great way to do that Um, that comes from preparing yourself with childbirth education again my, my course helps specifically for hospital birth And just have somebody with you who can advocate for you on your behalf if need be. That's just so, so, so important. All right, so there you have it. Do me a solid. Share this podcast with a friend. Sharing is caring. It helps me to reach and serve more people. I'm on a mission to help as many folks having a baby as I can, and I would appreciate your help in doing so. Also subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening to me right now. Apple Podcasts, most folks listen on Apple. So Apple, Spotify, wherever you're listening to me right now. Uh, go ahead and subscribe and then come follow me on Instagram. We can continue the conversation there. I'm on Instagram at Dr. Nicole Rankins. I love to hear what you think about the show. Send me a DM, send me a show ideas, topics, all of that good, great stuff. And also get all the good information that I share there and post there as well. That's uh, Instagram at Dr. Nicole Rankins. So that's it for this episode. Do come on back next week and remember that you deserve a beautiful pregnancy and birth.